Chapter Twenty Five of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume One by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Five, Tom and Sarah. Sarah Satan, widow of Count McGregor, and at this time thirty-six or thirty-seven years of age, was of an excellent Scotch family, daughter of a baronet and a country gentleman. Beautiful and accomplished, an orphan at seventeen years old, she had left Scotland with her brother Thomas Satan of Halsbury the absurd predictions of an old highland nurse had excited almost to madness the two leading vices in sarah's character pride and ambition the destiny predicted for her and in which she fully believed was of the highest order in fact sovereign rank the prophecy had been so often repeated that the young scotch girl eventually fully credited its fulfilment and she constantly repeated to herself to bear out her ambitious dream that a fortune-teller had thus promised a crown to the handsome and excellent creature who afterwards sat on the throne of france and who was queen as much by her graces and her kind heart as others have been by their grandeur and majesty strange to say thomas satan as superstitious as his sister encouraged her foolish hopes and resolved on devoting his life to the realization of sarah's dream a dream as dazzling as it was deceptive however the brother and sister were not so blind as to believe implicitly in this highland prophecy and to look absolutely for a throne of the first rank in a splendid disdain of secondary royalties or reigning principalities on the contrary so that the handsome scotch lassie should one day encircle her imperial head with a sovereign crown the haughty pair agreed to condescend to shut their eyes to the importance of the throne they coveted by the assistance of the almanac de gotha for the year of grace eighteen nineteen satan arranged before he left scotland a sort of synopsis of the ages of all the kings and ruling powers in europe then unmarried although very ridiculous yet the brother and sister's ambition was freed from all shameful modes satan was prepared to aid his sister sarah in snatching at the thread of the conjugal band by which she hoped eventually to fasten a crown upon her brows he would be her participator in any and all stratagems which could tend to consummate this end but he would rather have killed his sister than see her the mistress of a prince even though the liaison should terminate in a marriage of reparation the matrimonial inventory that resulted from satan and sarah's researches in the almanac de gotha was satisfactory the germanic confederation furnished forth a numerous contingent of young presumptive sovereigns satan was not ignorant of the sort of german wedlock which is called a left-handed marriage to which as being legitimate to a certain extent he would as a last resource have resigned his sister to germany then it was resolved to bend their steps in order to commence this search for the royal spouse if the project appears improbable such hopes ridiculous let us first reply by saying that unbridled ambition excited by superstitious belief rarely claims for itself the light of reason in its enterprises and will dare the wildest impossibilities yet when we recall certain events even in our own times from high and most reputable morganatic marriages between sovereigns and female subjects down to the loving elopement of miss penelope smith and the prince of capua we cannot refuse some chance of fortunate result to the imagination of satan and sarah let us add that the lady united to a very lovely person singular abilities and very varied talents whilst there were added a power of seduction the more dangerous as it was united to a mind unbending and calculating a disposition cunning and selfish a deep hypocrisy 
a stubborn and despotic will all covered by the outward show of a generous warm and impassioned nature in her appearance there was as much deceit as in her mind her full and dark eyes now sparkling now languishing beneath her coal-black brow could well dissimulate all the warmth of love and desire yet the burning impulses of love never throbbed beneath her icy bosom no surprise of the heart or of the senses ever intervened to disturb the cold and pitiless calculations of this woman crafty selfish and ambitious when she reached the continent she resolved in accordance with her brother's advice not to commence her conjugal and regal campaign until she had resided some time in paris where she determined to complete her education and rub off the rust of her native country by associating with a society which was embellished by all that was elegant tasteful and refined sarah was introduced into the best society and the highest circles thanks to the letters of recommendation and considerate patronage of the english ambassador's lady and the old marquis d'harville who had known tom and sarah's father in england persons of deceitful calculating and cold dispositions acquire with great facility language and manners quite in opposition to their natural character as with them all is outside surface appearance varnish bark or they soon find that if their real characters are detected they are undone so thanks to the sort of instinct of self-preservation with which they are gifted they feel all the necessity of the moral mask and so paint and costume themselves with all the alacrity and skill of a practised comedian thus after six months residence in paris sarah was in a condition to contest with the most parisian of parisian women as to the piquant finish of her wit the charm of her liveliness the ingenuousness of her flirtation and the exciting simplicity of her looks at once chaste and passionate finding his sister in full panoply for his campaign satan left with her for germany furnished with the best letters of introduction the first state of the german confederation which headed sarah's road-book was the grand duchy of gerolstein thus styled in the diplomatic and infallible almanach de gotha for the year of grace eighteen nineteen genealogy of the sovereigns of europe and their families gerolstein grand duke maximilian rodolph tenth december seventeen sixty four succeeded his father charles frederick rodolph twenty first april seventeen eighty five widower january eighteen hundred eight by decease of his wife louisa amelia daughter of john augustus prince of berglen son gustavus rodolph born seventeenth april eighteen hundred three mother dowager grand duchess judith widow of the grand duke charles frederick rodolph twenty first april seventeen eighty five satan with much practical good sense had first noted down on his list the youngest princes whom he coveted as brothers-in-law thinking that extreme youth is more easily seduced than ripened age moreover we have already said that the brother and sister were particularly recommended to the reigning duke of gerolstein by the old marquis d'harville caught like the rest of the world by sarah whose beauty grace and above all delightful manners he could not sufficiently admire it is superfluous to say that the presumptive heir of the grand duchy of gerolstein was gustavus rodolph he was hardly eighteen when tom and sarah were presented to his father the arrival of the young scotch lady was an event in the german court so quiet simple and almost patriarchal in its habits and observances the grand duke a most worthy gentleman governed his states with wise firmness and paternal kindness nothing could exceed the actual and moral happiness of the principality 
whose laborious and steady population by their soberness and piety presented a pure specimen of the german character this excellent people enjoyed so much real felicity and were so perfectly contented with their condition that the enlightened care of the grand duke was not much called into action to preserve them from the mania of constitutional innovations as far as modern discovery went and those practical suggestions which have a wholesome influence over the well-being and morals of his people the grand duke was always anxious to acquire knowledge himself and apply it invariably for the use and benefit of his people his residence at the capitals of the different states of europe having little else to occupy themselves whilst on their mission but to keep their master fully informed as to the rise and progress of science and all the arts which are connected with public welfare and public utility we have said that the duke felt as much affection as gratitude for the old marquis d'harville who in eighteen fifteen had rendered him immense service and so thanks to his powerful recommendation sarah of halsbury and her brother were received at the court of gerolstein with every distinction and with marked kindness a fortnight after her arrival the young scotch girl endued with so profound a spirit of observation had easily penetrated the firm character and open heart of the grand duke before she began to seduce his son a thing of course she had wisely resolved to discover the disposition of the father although he had appeared to dote on his son she was yet fully convinced that his father with all his tenderness would never swerve from certain principles certain ideas as to the duty of princes and would never consent to what he would consider a mesalliance for his son and that not through pride but from conscience reason and dignity a man of this firm mould and the more affectionate and good in proportion as he is firm and determined never abates one jot of that which affects his conscience his reason and his dignity sarah was on the point of renouncing her enterprise in the face of obstacles so insurmountable but reflecting that as rodolph was very young and his gentleness and goodness his character at once timid and meditative were generally spoken of she thought she might find compensation in the feeble and irresolute disposition of the young prince and therefore persisted in her project and again revived her hopes on this new essay the management of herself and brother were most masterly the young lady knew full well how to propitiate all around her and particularly the persons who might have been jealous or envious of her accomplishments and she caused her beauty and grace to be forgotten beneath the veil of modest simplicity with which she covered them she soon became the idol not only of the grand duke but of his mother the dowager grand duchess judith who in spite of or through her ninety years of age loved to excess everything that was young and charming sarah and her brother often talked of their departure but the sovereign of gerolstein would never consent to it and that he might completely attach the two to him he pressed on sir thomas satan the acceptance of the vacant post of his first groom of the chamber and entreated sarah not to quit the grand duchess judith as she could not do without her after much hesitation overcome by the most pressing entreaties sarah and satan accepted such brilliant offers and decided on establishing themselves at the court of gerolstein where they had been for two months sarah who was an accomplished musician knowing the taste of the grand duchess for the old masters and above all for gluck sent for the chef-d'oeuvre of this attractive composer and fascinated the old princess by her unfailing complaisance as well as the remarkable skill with which she sang those old airs so beautiful in their melody so expressive in their character as for satan 
he knew how to make himself very useful in the occupation which had been conferred upon him he was a good judge of horses was orderly and firm in his conduct and arrangements and so in a short time completely remodelled the stables of the grand duke which up to that time had been neglected and become disorganized the brother and sister were soon equally beloved feted and admired in this court the master's preference soon commands the preference of those below him sarah required in aid of her future projects too much aid not to employ her insinuating powers in acquiring partisans her hypocrisy clothed in most attractive shapes easily deluded the simple-hearted germans and the general feeling soon authorized the extreme kindness of the grand duke thus then our designing pair were established at the court of gerolstein agreeably and securely placed without any reference to rodolph by a lucky chance some days after the arrival of sarah the young prince had gone away to the inspection of troops with an aide-de-camp and the faithful murphy this absence doubly auspicious to the views of sarah allowed her to arrange at her ease the principal threads of the fillet she was weaving without being deterred by the presence of the young prince whose too open admiration might perhaps have awakened the suspicions of the grand duke on the contrary in the absence of his son he did not unfortunately reflect that he was admitting into the closest intimacy a young girl of surpassing beauty and of lively wit as rodolph must discover at every moment of the day sarah was perfectly insensible to a reception so kind and generous to the full confidence with which she was introduced into the very heart of this sovereign family neither brother nor sister paused for a moment in their bad designs they determined upon a principle to bring trouble and annoyance into this peaceable and happy court they calmly calculated the probable results of the cruel divisions they should establish between a father and son up to that period so tenderly united a few words concerning rodolph's early days may be necessary during his infancy he had been extremely delicate his father reasoned thereon in this strange manner english country gentlemen are generally remarkable for their robust health this advantage results generally from their bodily training which is simple rural and develops their full vigour rodolph must leave the hands of women his temperament is delicate and perhaps by accustoming this child to live like the son of an english farmer with some few exceptions i shall strengthen his constitution the grand duke sent to england for a man worthy of the trust and capable of directing such a course of bodily culture and sir walter murphy an athletic specimen of a yorkshire country gentleman was entrusted with this important charge the direction which he gave to the mind and body of the young prince were such as entirely coincided with the views and wishes of the grand duke murphy and his pupil lived for many years in a beautiful farmhouse situated in the midst of woods and fields some leagues from the capital of gerolstein and in a most picturesque and salubrious spot rodolph free from all etiquette and employed with murphy in an outdoor labour proportionate to his age lived the sober manly and regular life of the country having for his pleasure and amusement the violent exercises of wrestling pugilism riding on horseback and hunting in the midst of the pure air of the meadows woods and mountains he underwent an entire change and grew up as vigorous as a young oak his pale cheek became suffused with the ruddy glow of health always lithe and active he underwent now the most severe fatigues his address energy and courage supplying what was deficient in his muscular power 
so that when only in his fifteenth or sixteenth year he was always the conqueror in his contests with young men his superiors in age his scientific education necessarily suffered from the preference given to his physical training and rodolph's knowledge was very limited but the grand duke very wisely reflected that to have a well-informed mind it must be supported by a strong physical frame and that this acquired the intellectual faculties would develop themselves the more rapidly the kind walter murphy was by no means a sage and could only convey to rodolph some primary instruction but no one knew better than he how to inspire his pupil with the feeling of what is just loyal and generous and a horror of everything that was mean low and contemptible these repugnances these powerful and wholesome admonitions took deep and lasting root in the very soul of rodolph and although in after life these principles were violently shaken by the storm of passions yet they were never eradicated from his heart the leaven bolt strikes splits and rends the deeply planted tree but the sap still maintains its hold in the roots and a thousand green branches spring fresh from what was taken for a withered and dead tree murphy then gave to rodolph if we may use the expression health to body and mind he made him robust active and daring with a love for all that was good and right and a hatred for whatsoever was wicked and bad having fulfilled his task to admiration the squire called to england on very important business left germany for some time to the great regret of rodolph who loved him extremely his son's health having been so satisfactorily established the grand duke turned his most serious attention to the mental education of his dearly beloved son a certain dr cesar polidori a renowned linguist a distinguished chemist learned historian and deeply versed in the study of all the exact and physical sciences was entrusted with the charge of cultivating and improving the rich but virgin soil so carefully and well prepared by murphy this time the grand duke's choice was a most unfortunate one or rather his religious feelings were infamously imposed upon by the person who introduced the doctor to him and caused him to think on polidori as the preceptor of the young prince atheist cheat and hypocrite full of stratagem and trick concealing the most dangerous immorality the most hardened scepticism under an austere exterior profoundly versed in the knowledge of human nature or rather only having tried the worst side the disgraceful passions of humanity dr polidori was the most hateful mentor that could have been entrusted with the education of a young man rodolph left with the deepest regrets the independent and animating life which he had hitherto led with murphy to go and become pale with the study of books and submit himself to the irksome ceremonies of his father's court and he at once entertained a strong prejudice against his tutor it could not be otherwise on quitting his young friend the poor squire had compared him and with justice to a young wild colt full of grace and fire carried off from his native prairies where he had dwelt free as air and joyous as a bird to be bridled and spurred that he might under that system learn how to moderate and economize those powers which hitherto he had only employed in running and leaping in any way he pleased rodolph began by telling polidori that he had no taste for study but that he greatly preferred the free exercise of his arms and legs to breathe the pure air of the fields to traverse the woods and the mountains and that a good horse and a good gun were preferable to all the books in the universe the doctor was prepared for this antipathy and was secretly delighted at it 
for in another way the hopes of this man were as ambitious as those of sarah although the grand duchy of gerolstein was only a secondary state polidori indulged the idea of being one day its richelieu and of making rodolph play the part of the do-nothing prince but desirous above all things of currying favour with his pupil and of making him forget murphy by his own concession and compliance he concealed from the grand duke the young prince's repugnance for study and boasted of his application to and rapid progress in his studies whilst some examinations arranged between himself and rodolph which had the air of being impromptu questions confirmed the grand duke in his blind and implicit confidence by degrees the dislike which rodolph at first entertained for the doctor changed on the young prince's part into a cool familiarity very unlike the real attachment he had for murphy by degrees he found himself leagued with polidori although from very innocent causes by the same ties that unite two guilty persons sooner or later rodolph was sure to despise a man of the age and character of the doctor who so unworthily lied to excuse the idleness of his pupil this polidori knew but he also knew that if we do not at once sever our connections with corrupt minds in disgust by degrees and in spite of our better reason we become familiar with and too frequently admire them until insensibly we hear without shame or reproach those things mocked at and vituperated which we formerly loved and revered besides the doctor was too cunning all at once to shock certain noble sentiments and convictions which rodolph had derived from the admirable lessons of murphy after having vented much raillery on the coarseness of the early occupations of his young pupil the doctor laying aside his thin mask of austerity had greatly aroused the curiosity and heated the fancy of the young prince by the exaggerated descriptions strongly drawn and deeply coloured of the pleasures and gallantries which had illustrated the reigns of louis the fourteenth the regent and especially louis the fifteenth the hero of cesar polidori he assured the misled boy who listened to him with a fatal earnestness that pleasures however excessive far from demoralizing a highly accomplished prince often made him merciful and generous inasmuch as fine minds are never more predisposed to benevolence and clemency than when acted upon by their own enjoyments louis the fifteenth the bien-aimé the well-beloved was an unanswerable proof of this and then added the doctor how entirely have the greatest men of all ages and all countries abandoned themselves to the most refined epicureanism from alcibiades to maurice of saxony from anthony to the great conde from caesar to vendome such conversations must make deep and dangerous impressions on a young ardent and virgin mind and such theories could not be without their results in the midst of this well-regulated and virtuous court accustomed after the example of its ruler to honest pleasures and harmless amusements rodolph instructed by polidori dreamt of the dissipated nights of versailles the orgies of choisy the attractive voluptuousness of the parc aux cerfs and also from time to time of some romantic amours contrasting with these neither had the doctor failed to prove to rodolph that a prince of the germanic confederation should not have any military pretension beyond sending his contingent to the diet the feeling of the time was not warlike according to the doctor to pass his time delightfully and idly amongst women and the refinements of luxury to repose from time to time from the animation of sensual pleasures amidst the delightful attractions of the fine arts to hunt occasionally not as a nimrod 
but as an intelligent epicurean and enjoy the transitory fatigues which make idleness and repose taste but the sweeter this was the only life which a prince should think of enjoying who and this was his height of happiness could find a prime minister capable of devoting himself boldly to the distressing and overwhelming burden of state affairs rodolph in abandoning himself to ideas which were free from criminality because they did not spring from the circle of fatal probabilities resolved that when providence should call to himself the grand duke his father he would devote himself to the life which cesar polidori had painted to him under such brilliant and attractive colours and to have as his prime minister one whose knowledge and understanding he admired and whose blind complacence he fully appreciated it is useless to say that the young prince kept the most perfect silence upon the subject of these pernicious hopes which had been excited within him knowing that the heroes of the grand duke's admiration were gustavus adolphus charles the twelfth and the great frederick maximilian rodolph had the honour of belonging to the royal house of brandenburg rodolph thought reasonably enough that the prince his father who professed so profound an admiration for these king captains always booted and spurred continually mounted on their chargers and engaged in making war would consider his son out of his senses if he believed him capable of wishing to displace the tudescan gravity of his court by the introduction of the light and licentious manners of the regency a year eighteen months passed away at the end of this time murphy returned from england and wept for joy on again embracing his young pupil after a few days although unable to discover the reason of a change which so deeply afflicted him the worthy squire found rodolph chilled and constrained in his demeanour towards him and almost rude when he recalled to him his sequestered and rural life assured of the natural kind heart of the young prince and warned by a secret presentiment murphy thought him for a time perverted by the pernicious influence of dr polidori whom he instinctively abhorred and resolved to watch very narrowly the doctor for his part was very much annoyed by murphy's return for he feared his frankness good sense and keen penetration he instantly resolved therefore cost what it might to ruin the worthy englishman in rodolph's estimation it was at this crisis that satan and sarah were presented and received at the court of gerolstein with such extreme distinction we have said that rodolph accompanied by murphy had been absent from the court on a journey for some weeks during this absence the doctor was by no means idle it is said that intriguers discover and recognize each other by certain mysterious signs which allow of them observing each other until their interests decide them to form a close alliance or declare unremitting hostility some days after the establishment of sarah and her brother at the court of the grand duke polidori became a close ally of satan's the doctor confessed to himself with delectable cynicism that he felt a natural affinity for rogues and villains and so he said that without pretending to discover the end which sarah and her brother desired to achieve he was attracted towards them by a sympathy so strong as to lead him to imagine that they plotted some devilish purpose some questions of satan's as to the disposition and early life of rodolph questions which would have passed without notice with a person less awake to all that occurred than the doctor in a moment enlightened him as to the ulterior aims of the brother and sister all he doubted was that the aspirations of the scotch lady were at the same time honourable as well as ambitious the arrival of this lovely young woman appeared to polidori a godsend rodolph's mind was already inflamed with amorous imaginings 
sarah might become or be made the delicious reality which would substantiate so many glorious dreams it was not to be doubted but that she would secure an immense influence over a heart submitted to the witching spell of a first love the doctor instantly laid his plan to direct and secure this influence and to make it serve also as the means of destroying murphy's power and reputation like a skilful intriguer he soon informed the aspiring pair that they must come to an understanding with him as he alone was responsible to the grand duke for the private life of the young prince sarah and her brother understood him in a moment although they had not told the doctor a syllable of their secret designs on the return of rodolph and murphy all three combined by one common intent tacitly leagued against the squire their most redoubtable enemy what was to happen did happen rodolph saw sarah daily after his return and became desperately enamoured she soon told him that she shared his love although she foresaw that this love would create great trouble he could never be happy the distance that separated them was too wide she then recommended to rodolph the most profound discretion for fear of arousing the grand duke's suspicions as he would be inexorable and deprive them of their only happiness that of seeing each other every day the young prince promised to be cautious and conceal his love the scotch maiden was too ambitious too self-possessed to compromise and betray herself in the eyes of the court and rodolph perceiving the necessity of dissimulation imitated sarah's prudence the lover's secret was carefully preserved for some time nor was it until the brother and sister saw the unbridled passion of their dupe reach its utmost excess and that his infatuation which he could hardly restrain threatened to burst forth afresh and destroy all that they resolved on their final coup the doctor's character authorizing the confidence besides the morality which invested it satan opened to him on the necessity of a marriage between rodolph and sarah otherwise he added with perfect sincerity he and his sister would instantly leave gerolstein sarah participated in the prince's affection but preferring death to dishonour she could only be the wife of his highness this exalted flight of ambition stupefied the doctor who had never imagined that sarah's imagination soared so high a marriage surrounded by numberless difficulties and dangers appeared impossible to polidori and he frankly told satan the reasons why the grand duke would never submit to such a union satan agreed in the importance of the reasons but proposed as a mezzo termini which should meet all objections a marriage which although secret should be legal and only avowed after the decease of the grand duke sarah was of a noble and ancient house and such a union was not without precedent satan gave the prince eight days to decide his sister could no longer endure the cruel anguish of uncertainty and if she must renounce rodolph's love she must act up to her painful resolve as promptly as might be certain that he could not mistake sarah's views the doctor was sorely perplexed he had three ways before him to inform the grand duke of the matrimonial project to open rodolph's eyes as to the manoeuvres of tom and sarah to lend himself to the marriage but to inform the grand duke would be to alienate from him for ever the heir presumptive to the throne to enlighten rodolph on the interested views of sarah was to expose himself to the reception which a lover is sure to give when she whom he loves is depreciated in his eyes and then what a blow for the vanity or the heart of the young prince to let him know that it was for his royal rank alone that the lady was desirous to wed him on the other hand by lending himself to this match 
polidori bound rodolph and sarah to him by a tie of the strongest gratitude or at least by the complicity of a dangerous act no doubt all might be discovered and the doctor exposed to the anger of the grand duke but then the marriage would have been concluded the union legal the storm would blow over and the future sovereign of gerolstein would become the more bound to polidori in proportion as the doctor had undergone greater dangers in his service after much consideration therefore he resolved on serving sarah but with a certain qualification which we will presently refer to rodolph's passion had reached a height almost of frenzy violently excited by constraint and the skilful management of sarah who pretended to feel still more than he did the insurmountable obstacles which honour and duty placed between them and their liberty in a few days more the young prince would have betrayed himself thus when the doctor proposed that he must never see his enchantress again or possess her by a secret marriage rodolph threw himself on polidori's neck called him his saviour his friend his father he only wished that the temple and the priest were at hand that he might marry her that instant the doctor resolved for reasons of his own to undertake the management of all he found a priest witnesses and the union all the formalities of which were carefully scrutinized and verified by satan was secretly celebrated during a temporary absence of the grand duke at a conference of the german diet the prophecy of the scotch soothsayer was fulfilled sarah wedded the heir to a throne without quenching the fire of his love possession rendered rodolph more circumspect and cooled down that violence which might have compromised the secret of his passion for sarah but directed by satan and the doctor the young couple managed so well and observed so much circumspection towards each other that they eluded all detection an event impatiently desired by sarah soon turned this calm into a tempest she was about to become a mother it was then that this woman evinced all those exactions which were so new to and so much astonished rodolph she protested with hypocritical tears streaming from her eyes that she could no longer support the constraint in which she lived a constraint rendered the more insupportable by her pregnancy in this extremity she boldly proposed to the young prince to tell all to his father who was as well as the dowager grand duchess fonder than ever of her no doubt she added he will be very angry greatly enraged at first but he loves his son so tenderly so blindly and had for her sarah so strong an affection that his paternal anger would gradually subside and she would at last take in the court of gerolstein the rank which was due to her she might say in a double sense because she was about to give birth to a child which would be the heir presumptive to the grand duke these pretensions alarmed rodolph he knew the deep attachment which his father had for him but he also well knew the inflexibility of his principles with regard to all the duties of a prince to all these objections sarah replied unmoved i am your wife in the presence of god and men in a short time i shall no longer be able to conceal my situation and i ought not to blush at that of which i am on the contrary so proud and would desire openly to acknowledge the expectation of posterity had redoubled rodolph's tenderness for sarah and placed between the desire to accede to her wishes and the dread of his father's wrath he experienced the bitterest anguish satan sided with his sister the marriage is indissoluble said he to his royal brother-in-law the grand duke may exile you from his court you and your wife nothing more but he loves you too much to have recourse to such an extremity he will endure what he cannot prevent 
these reasons strong enough in themselves did not soothe rodolph's anxieties at this juncture satan was charged by the grand duke with an errand to visit several breeding studs in austria this mission which he could not refuse would only detain him a fortnight he set out with much regret and in a very important moment for his sister she was chagrined yet satisfied at the departure of her brother for she would lose his advice but then he would be safe from the grand duke's anger if all were discovered sarah promised to keep satan fully informed day by day of the progress of events so important to both of them and that they might correspond more surely and secretly they agreed upon a cipher of which polidori also held the key this precaution alone proves that sarah had other matters to tell her brother of besides her love for rodolph in truth this selfish cold ambitious woman had not felt the ice of her heart melt even by the beams of the passionate love which had been breathed to her her maternity was only with her a means of acting more effectually on rodolph and had no softening effect on her iron soul the youth headlong love and inexperience of the prince who was hardly more than a child and so perfidiously ensnared into an inextricable position hardly excited an interest in the mind of this selfish creature and in her confidential communications with him she complained with disdain and bitterness of the weakness of this young man who trembled before the most paternal of german princes who lived however very long in a word this correspondence between the brother and sister clearly developed their unbounded selfishness their ambitious calculations their impatience which almost amounted to homicide and laid bare the springs of that dark conspiracy crowned by the marriage of rodolph one of sarah's letters to her brother was abstracted by polidori the channel of their mutual communications for what purpose we shall see hereafter a few days after satan's departure sarah was at the evening court of the dowager grand duchess many of the ladies present looked at her with an astonished air and whispered to their neighbours the grand duchess judith in spite of her ninety years had a quick ear and a sharp eye and this little whispering did not escape her she made a sign to one of the ladies-in-waiting to come to her and from her she learned that everybody was remarking that the figure of miss sarah satan of halsbury was less slender less delicate in its proportions than usual the old princess adored her young protege and would have answered to god himself for sarah's virtue indignant at the malevolence of those remarks she shrugged her shoulders and said aloud from the end of the saloon in which she was sitting my dear sarah come here sarah rose it was requisite to cross the circle to reach the place where the princess was seated who was anxious most kindly to destroy the rumour that was circulated and by the simple fact of thus crossing the room confound her calumniators and prove triumphantly that the fair proportions of her protege had lost not one jot of their symmetry and delicacy alas the most perfidious enemy could not have devised a better plan than that suggested by the worthy princess in her desire to defend her protege sarah came towards her and it required all the deep respect due to the grand duchess to repress the murmur of surprise and indignation when the young lady crossed the room the nearest sighted person saw what sarah would no longer conceal for her pregnancy might have been hidden longer had she but have chosen but the ambitious woman had sought this display in order to compel rodolph to declare his marriage the grand duchess who however would not be convinced in spite of her eyesight said in a low voice to sarah my dear child 
how very ill you have dressed yourself to-day you whose shape may be spanned by ten fingers i hardly know you again we will relate hereafter the results of this discovery which led to great and terrible events at this moment we will content ourselves with stating what the reader has no doubt already guessed that fleur de marie was the fruit of the secret marriage of rodolph and sarah and that they both believed their daughter dead it has not been forgotten that rodolph after having visited the house in the rue du temple had returned home and intended in the evening to be present at a ball given by the blank ambassadress it was to this fete that we shall follow his royal highness the reigning grand duke of gerolstein gustavus rodolph travelling in france under the name of the count de duren End of chapter twenty five